0: Geekville Radio. Hello, once again, Geeks and Geekettes, this is Seth A.K.A. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville. And the host of Geekville Radio, opening up the doors for another edition, another inductee into the lesser-known Geek Hall of Fame. This is going to be our tenth induction now, so we're actually kind of getting into the double digits here. And this is another one that goes back to the early days of comics, going back to the daily strips long before the comic book kind of became the the norm as far as uh, adventures. We're going to talk Mandrake the Magician. But joining me once again from the nice soft padded cell in South Cackalacky, Crazy Train, Jonathan Bullock. All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. What was our last inductee?
1: Amicus Pictures
0: back in he October? It was Amicus Pictures, yeah. British Studio. So we're back to a
1: character and away from
0: something else. So I guess really to kind of set the stage for Mandrake the Magician, once again, we're going back to the early to mid-1930s. I mean, our very first inductee was The Shadow, who, of course, premiered on really radio like 31 or, or so you can go back to our very first edition inductee to, to about the shadow but our second inductee was the Phantom who was also created by Lee Falk who created Mandrake the magician and here's the little twist here is Lee falk created the Phantom but he also created Mandrake the magician but yet he created Mandrake a full two years before the phantom actually I think he had the character in his mind years before that but Mandrake first appeared in newspaper strips in 1934, and The Phantom actually debuted in 1936. So therefore, there are historians and aficionados who would say that they could argue that Mandrake was the first comic superhero. You know, we were talking about The Shadow because The Shadow's main power was to cloud men's minds. It was a form of hypnosis, and Mandrake the Magician... Yes, he was a magician, but he also had true magic abilities that would defy physics. And uh, some of the stuff that he would do in the comic books in the 60s, he'd levitate cars and like pull people out of danger just by levitating them. So he had these true magic uh, abilities that defied physics, but he also could do the the, the stage and showman. I mean, uh, did you have something you wanted to add in there, Train?
1: Yeah, my research They would talk about how Shadow Phantom were, yeah, granted the shadow would cloud men's minds, which is a form of hypnosis. But the Phantom and the Shadow were essentially vigilantes. They were unempowered, yet well-trained with gadgets. Whereas Mandrake was your first main character that what we would call today a metahuman or empowered or whatever is what comic geeks would call that type of character today. Whereas Phantom and the Shadow, I think they're more of your Green Arrows, Batman, Hawkeye, mm-hmm. that type of character. Right. Whereas right. Mandrake is the first foray into, you you Superman, Captain America, this guy has powers that are beyond normal.
0: Right. And I think you could certainly say that the Phantom was more of a costumed superhero because Mandrake, he wore what a lot of stage magicians would wear. He had the top hat, he had kind of the the cape, he had the pencil thin mustache that Dr. Strange would have that Vincent Price wore so well. And I think he even mm-hmm. had a wand from, from, time, from time to time as well.
1: Well, I also think that you're right about the about the look, but as far as the pencil thin mustache goes, which for transparency's sake,s is might be my favorite Jimmy Buffett song. But mm-hmm. <laughs> is that was just a very popular look amongst men in that era. Think about it. Clark Gable was one of the biggest movie stars, leading men in Hollywood at the time. And what is what is Clark Gable known for? That mustache, pencil thin mustache. So I mean, it was just much the way you would look. The neck beards are kind of popular now, or or the mullets were when you and I were kids in the eighties, that was just the look for men back then. So it made sense that Falk, when he creates his character who's supposed to be a, in his secret identity, a stage magician, he's an entertainer. He's going to look like whatever the current pop in vogue trend is,
0: you know? Right. Right. And we're not really going to spend that much time on Lee Falk because we, we spent a good time, amount of time on him on our second episode about the phantom but another similarity here is king feature syndicate and we talked a lot about them uh, talking about the phantom as well i believe flash gordon as well they did yep so the bulk of mandrake's adventures were written by falk from the 1930s on really until his death in the 90s just like with the phantom so pretty much lee falk's full-time writing was writing mandrake the magician and the phantom now I believe Now talk me up, taught me up here. Mm-hmm. Did Falk just do the writing or did he do some of the artwork as well? He did some of the artwork very early on, but he never really looked at himself as much of an artist as far as drawing.
1: And that was the same with Phantom if I if I remember back. Is exactly.
0: that so, correct? Yeah, exactly. So really though those early strips, there may have been a few that Falk did himself as far as drawing, but the Artwork for this trip was done mainly by Phil Davis, so I, okay. I think it was a good thirty some years. I think that they, that it was Lee Falk and Phil Davis. Phil Davis passed sometime in the '60s, and that's when an artist by the name of Fred Fredericks took over as the artist. I'm wondering if Phil Davis has any relationship to Jim
1: Davis, the the creator and, <laughs> draw and artist and writer of. You know? I, I I don't believe so. <laughs> well, they're, but I just you know they're both in similar lines of work. That's on the reason I ask. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but- Yeah, and... It's not like Davis is an uncommon last name, so it's
0: very possible they're not related. And Falk wrote all the way up until his death, just like with Phantom (laughs) in 1989, and then after that, Fred Fredericks did Double Duty. He became the writer and the artist um, really up until his retirement in 2013.
1: Now, I do think it's important to point out to our listeners, I know a lot of our listeners have only got into comics like starting with the Bronze Age and, and the current modern age. Having one person do the writing and then another individual do the do the artwork and even yet another person do the do the, the lettering and penciling was the standard in both comic strips and comic books forever right. it wasn't until the '90s with your Todd mcfarlans and your jim lees and those types that it became even accepted for somebody to do double duty like that you know right. it just right. that was the look at the old marvel way you had Stan writing, Stan kind of coming up with the ideas, and then there's bullpen of writers fleshing them out, and then you had the Kirby's and the Ditkos doing the artwork. That was just the norm in the business for you. Fact did that was one of the one that one of Kirby's big beefs was he wanted to do both, and right. Stan wouldn't let him, so he left, joined DC, and created the New Gods, you know, Dark Side mm-hmm. and Orion and all of them. Exactly, was, yeah. That was Kirby saying, "Look, I can write and draw too, and I'm the DC guy, and I think they were okay, but." I still think Kirby should have stuck the drawing. That was really in strong
0: suit, you know. Right. But Especially I just you look at you know, some I mean, of that Doctor Strange stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not trying to be be ugly. At, 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 I have all the world respect for Jack Kirby. I'm a comic book geek, of course I do. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But my point is that this was not unusual. by By the time Fredericks takes over in '99 and starts doing double duty, that had become. I wouldn't even say it's still the norm nowadays. I, I'd say that it's accepted and about. Fifty percent of your comics now are the 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 writer writer drawer combo or the mm-hmm. old traditional way. But up until then, up until the nineties, it was almost unheard of for anybody to do double duty. Right,
0: right, exactly. You know? I I think John Byrne may have been the only one that uh, kind of mm-hmm. did it with any regularity because he had a run on uh, I want to say it was Wonder Woman, uh, and mm-hmm. I think he had a run on She Hulk where where he where he was doing both. But yeah, like, right. like you said, usually it was a combination or there might have been a kind of a dream pairing. Uh, you know, you'd have oh, yeah. a, a, a hot writer and then a hot artist. And then, of course, some gelled and some had created differences. You know, mm-hmm. rinse,
1: I mean, for how long did that Kirby Lee tandem work? I mean, that's like mm-hmm. the McCartney Linda of comic books, isn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, I guess you could say that. But so... Mandrake actually stopped being created new for strips in 2013 because that's when Fred Fredericks retired. I believe they still ran. They were just kind of like peanuts. You know, they 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 just started rerun strips. So that actually means that the Phantom still holds the record for the longest time in print because the Phantom actually is still being produced as a trip, I believe. Right. So,
1: Well, I'm off topic, how creepy is it that Charles Schultz retires announces mm-hmm. he's going to retire, does his last original strip, they they publish it in all those newspapers, and literally the next day he dies.
0: Yeah, yeah that, that was pretty freaky.
1: It's like, I, I'm a... Joe Cool is one of my favorite characters of all time. Yes. You know, the iteration of Snoopy. Mm-hmm. Love the Peanuts. Love what Charles Schultz did. Obviously, us geeks are very vocal. For God's sakes, we're sitting here doing a podcast on our own time about lesser known geek stuff, mm-hmm. right? So we're a very, very passionate fan base. I think you need to realize that the creators are probably even more passionate than us. I right. think I think the Charles Schultz death as it is an example. He did this for years. It was his passion. It was his love. And he was like, you know what? It's over. And like his bike at a subconscious level his body was by like, okay, you're done. That's just right. always been my feeling.
0: Yeah, because I'm I'm actually going to Mentioned this book, and I'm going to put a picture of it in the show notes. I did get a hardcover, Mandrake the Magician, Dailies Volume 1 by Lee Falcon nice. and Phil Davis. And it actually has some of the very early, actually the earliest stuff. So yeah, the Watch earliest stories. Right, that introduced the character of the Cobra who, will will when we talk about the, the characters, he's kind of the Joker to... Uh, Mandrake's Batman. But mm-hmm. these strips, uh, they wound up being reprinted in Magic Comics, which was an anthology comic book title published by the David McKay company. And I think they also had Dagwood of Blondie fame in his own adventure. But it wasn't until the 60s that King Features actually would produce their own comic by their own printing. And you, see, there there were some pretty big names that were involved in that as well. Names like Don Heck for art. Yeah, that's about as legendary a name as you can get around that time. Mm-hmm. So, So there was... Uh, a, a run of actual comic book adventures that were separate from the daily strips that they were printed in the sixties. And you can actually find those on comiXology. Well, so did, did
1: your research show you if there was continuity between the, the strips and the, and the, and the comic books or were they just two like separate universes?
0: No, I think they'd be two separate things. That, that would, kind of okay. like you the, know. the plethora of Batman titles that don't necessarily have anything with each other, you know? Oh
1: yeah. Like one of my favorite daily strips when I was growing up was Spider-Man and mm-hmm. the, the continuity of this newspaper
0: strip, Spider-Man, had nothing to do with what was going on with the comic book. So that was kind of the the, the very brief summary of the publication history. I mean, that, that, that's mm-hmm. kind of the, how would you say, the, the, the real-life history of the character. Right. And The real-world history. <laughs> right. So now we're going to shift into what is my favorite part of talking about these, these characters, which is the fictitious history, or the in-universe, you might say, of the character, mainly the origin. And here's the thing about... Mandrake. That's going to be very interesting to talk about. Here is Mandrake's origin has been retconned probably two three or three times. times over the years. Yeah. Now, when you got an almost ninety year history of the character, having a retconned origin two or three times really isn't that bad when you think about it. No, but, but it has been a few times over the years. The the main thing that was said about his origin was that he attended a college of magic uh, in Tibet. Which is that is that in China?
1: No, Tibet. Is the country that is north of Nepal? There was all that kerfluffle back in we back in the late nineties with all the celebrities free Tibet. Okay. Tibet is a country that 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 China claims is theirs, much like they do Taiwan. Mm-hmm. But it is actually, I believe, the actual leader that is recognized by like the UN and most other countries is the Dalai Lama.
0: Okay, yeah, because we uh, we've all heard the term Tibetan monk. So.
1: I don't want to get too very political on this show because we avoid right. politics on all of all of our podcasts, but. Mm-hmm have it be known everybody in the world recognizes Tibet as an independent nation except for China I, mean, I, like I said I'm trying to violate politics but I can't put it any other way well
0: look at what I said at the beginning is that in China so, <laughs> <laughs> there go, so there you go. but one of the retcons that happened was that Mandrake had a brother and then there was a, a change in who his father was and he had another brother that that type of stuff that just kind of gets layered on so it's not like a oh that didn't happen here's a a completely different origin. It, it's that Lee Falk would add another element that just wasn't known before, or if Mandrake did know, it was so personal that he didn't tell anybody. And, and you know,
1: we like to compare because it's his lesser known Geek Hall of Fame. And we talk about these early characters like Phantom, like Shadow, like Mandrake, how they influence later writers and creators. That's kind of a normal thing now. That is actually used as a mechanic by writers to bring a dead, a killed off character back. Two yeah. that come to mind right away Bucky Barnes and the second Robin, Jason Todd. That's essentially how they brought him back. Mm-hmm. We find, oh no, Bucky actually didn't die. He had been brainwashed by the Soviets and become the Winter Soldier. Jason didn't really die. His body was stolen by Ra's al Ghoul and he was resurrected. Now he's back as Red Hood. So that isn't like he was changing Batman's or Captain America's backstory they were just adding another layer to it one of the secondary characters so this is the trope that is used even to this day Mm -hmm. because i mean heck jason todd was resurrected what 10 12 years ago in the comics
0: yeah something like and that was one that had been the gag forever that well nobody stays dead in comics except for jason
1: todd and And then they brought him back as red hood and we're like damn it
0: yeah Yeah, well (laughs) nobody stays dead in comics except for bucky
1: and i think you and me have made the clarification on that the only people that are going to stay dead in comics is when it is absolutely necessary for the backstory or the origin of the of the character. And that doesn't even hold 100% true. Like, I don't think Uncle Ben will ever be resurrected because if you do, then what's Peter Parker's motivation?
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: in an alternate universe, Bruce is the one that died and Thomas Wayne exists. Right, exactly. So, yeah, we always like to point that out in our lesser known Geek Call of Fame inductions when we deal with these earlier characters. I'm not saying don't respect the creativity of current and and, and 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 legendary writers, but realize they were influenced somewhere too. And this right. is an example.
0: So here is my attempt at kind of telling the complex origin of Mandrake all at once without saying, "Oh," and then they went back, and then and then this this was it. Um,
1: <laughs> so you're going to combine like all three or four of those retcons into one exactly. Just tell it straight so out. <laughs> so we'll, we'll
0: we'll see if I can pull it off here. The, uh, so Mandrake thought that his father Basil the Great sent him to. The College of Tibet, him and his brother, Derek, where he learned from Theron, who was kind of that stereotype when you think of the wise Asian master with the long beard and, and all that stuff. Take the original ancient one from the comics and Doctor exactly. Strange. Right, right. And that's where he learned. And he had a brother that then went bad. You know, a lot of the tropes there. He he learned magic from one of the instructors at the College of Magic named Lucifer. So, hey, he's learning magic from a trainer named Lucifer. What could possibly go wrong here? Well,
1: spell um, P-H-O-R, not yeah. F-E-R, but I, I digress. <laughs> right,
0: right. But Mandrake learned later that the master, Theron, was actually his father who claims to be over 300 years old and has been married approximately 20 times over those 300 years. He was essentially given to Basil the Great because the mother died at childbirth. So he, his brother, and they had a sister as well that was kind of raised by Basil the Great, who was a magician. And then when they thought it was time, they sent him back uh, so he could learn from Tibet and, you know, Learn from like Lucifer, Hagrid, like I said. It's like
1: Hagrid showing up. You're a wizard, Harry. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, say. yeah. really
0: not not <laughs> unlike that. But. Maybe J.K. So,
1: Rowling read, read some Mandrake the Magician. We didn't know about that, you know?
0: <laughs> right. So Mandrake and his brother Derek, they spent seven years in Tibet training under Lucifer. And then they were given, they were kind of alternating shifts because everybody had to spend time watching the sacred crystal cube that amplified mental powers. And at one point, Lucifer just, Attacked Mandrake, tried to steal the cube, but they stopped him. Lucifer escaped, and later would go on to become the Cobra, who's kind of the the Joker to Mandrake's Batman. But we'll get to that a little. To later.
1: Go go back to the analogies. Doesn't mm-hmm. this sound oddly familiar to the the original backstory of Doctor Strange and Baron Mordo and the ancient
0: one? Right, right. Everybody has elements, that
1: elements of it, <laughs>
0: right. So upon graduation, Derek and Mandrake were told that they can never use magic for themselves. They can only use it for good and to help others.
1: So they can't like wish themselves into being a millionaire. They would lo- lose their powers if they yeah, did that.
0: A perfect a, a perfect uh, example there. But Derek began using his magic for illusions. He, he'd try to win at casinos. He'd scare people. He could create flashy diamond things and impress women. You know, You can kind of see how somebody college age here who's going to have the ability to impress the ladies just by snapping his fingers you can kind of see how that that might yeah. put somebody I, I down the wrong path I,
1: yeah i know i've brought this up before but it's it's period to this particular topic i've said it before i've and i now I'll, I'll probably say it again in another episode somewhere down the road part of the reason i feel as a fan of comics why they have such mainstream appeal especially to us geeks is that it's a what if in our own mind what would i do if i had powers And the reason that their heroes are heroes and the villains are villains is because the heroes choose to use it for good and the villains choose to use it for bad. And we'd like to tell ourselves if we had Mandrake's power, if we had Captain America's power, we would be benevolent. Unfortunately, because I'm a bit of a cynic, I believe that's not true. (laughs) But that's what truly makes them a hero is that We, I think in our subconscious though, that they will make the decision we might even make ourselves. We might be more like Derek, you know? Right. But anyways, I'll get off my soapbox. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so early on, Derek was not being much of a criminal. He just, you know, wanted to impress ladies, but eventually he kind of got seduced down that path and he would create money and then buy stuff and then the money would disappear. So it was like the perfect crime. He'd, he'd needs, come in. Fear was, leads
1: to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to the dark side. That kind of yeah. thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know, he'd come in and it look <laughs> like he'd pay ten thousand dollars cash for this fancy necklace or Watch whatever, or and then he'd some, leave with yeah. it. And the person would put the money into the drawer, and then the the money would literally disappear. And right, that, that's how that's how it would be like the perfect theft.
1: It's not cyborg transferring the funds like we saw in, in the Zack Snyder cut. <laughs> right, right, and not, it, not it, not it, the opposite of that.
0: Right. <laughs> But eventually Mandrake himself had to go stop his brother. And while he succeeded in taking away Derek's magic, it's like he still retained the like the standard magician stuff. Like he could hypnotize and do the the slate of hand stuff and all that. He just didn't, he didn't have the, the actual true magical powers anymore. Right. He couldn't physically make somebody disappear without the art of illusion behind right. him. He went from being Mandrake to being David Copperfield. Essentially. Yeah. But that that's pretty much the origin of Mandrake and his brother. Derek, Lucifer was retcon to be Cobra at, uh, at a later time, but Cobra was initially the big villain. They had a couple of clashes. I think one time Bandrick actually physically turned him into a snake, physically turned him into a cobra. And then there was another time where there was a big laboratory fire and Cobra was believed to have died in that. And then he came back years later with a scarred face and a mask, and that's how he's kind of pretty much been ever so smart.
1: All right, Doctor Doom and yet another <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. We are talking Doom. He's magical powers, too. So there you go. Right,
0: right, exactly. Yeah. And I, I'm not exactly sure when that that was done, when he came back from the quote-unquote dead. So I don't know if it was before or after Dr. Doom, because Doom was pretty much ever since the beginning of the Fantastic Four, if I recall correctly. That's kind of always been his story, right?
1: I mean, yeah, the story is that when the, 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 the actual scarred face came from the explosion on the machine that he built that Reed tried to talk him out of at university.
0: Yeah, I I mean, believe- yeah, it and of was, course, like, so
1: we didn't find out till decades later that the machine was actually an attempt to 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 go to Mephisto's realm to save his mother. But
0: exactly, but that is, in a nutshell, kind of the fully accounting for all retcons origin of Mandrake. So I don't know if you had anything to pick up from there, because really, we we no. can't really. Talk about Mandrake uh, without bringing up the real life Leon Mandrake, who who mm-hmm. is kind of like a, a a real life. Now you you looked a little bit more into this than I did, train So I guess I'll give yeah, you the floor yeah. here as far as the the real life. I Mandrake. found
1: this absolutely fascinating. That now concurrent to the creation of Mandrake in the comic strip and his popularity mainstream, there's also a magician who, like you said, his name is Leon Mandrake, who is is a very successful in-demand stage performer at the time who does typical stage magic, illusions, disappearing acts on the lady in half, all that kind of stuff. And he just happens to look very much physically the way Mandrake does in the comics. But like we said earlier, Pencilton mustache is pretty common look for men at the time. And I think it's almost, well, the, which came first the chicken or the egg type thing. Falk has said he he might have seen an ad for him or seen him, but he doesn't remember it. It's possible that Leon Mandrake had read the strip and, and then started to change his act, and his look to favor that a little bit more. I don't I don't think it really matters because I don't think him or Lee Falk or King Features ever came to any kind of legal battle over it. Right, right. I think I, they, I, they kind of saw it as actually good good press for each other. Yeah. Mandrake, yeah. man, I think Leon Mandrake, the real world magician thought, well, if people think that I'm the I'm the inspiration, it means more ticket sales. And King Features and Lee Falk kind of felt, well, if they think we were inspired by this film edition, it helps our sales. So exactly. that's why I personally think, in my research, it never came to any legal litigation or anything. And also, even to go further back, if you look at the way Leon the Ma- Mandrake, the magician, and mandrake the magician the comic books their physical appearance with like you said the silk top hat the silk cape and the white gloves the tuxedo this is probably the beginning of that being the look of the stereotypical stage magician one that pops right in my mind as a geek from our childhood the frosty the snowman animated special that would come on around christmas the the bad guy that's a magician that was the look he had remember he had yep. a pencil thin mustache that was handlebarred and and the hat, and he had the spats on I mean, That is to this day. If you were to walk up to somebody, especially somebody from western, from the Western culture, from Europe and North America, say, describe to me what a stage magician looks like. They're going to say, "Well, it's probably a white guy with a pencil thin mustache and a top hat." Okay. That's what they're going to say. And and I I can't think of any magicians before this point because obviously the most famous before this point would have been Harry Houdini and houdini didn't wear that on stage
0: right. houdini Houdini's main thing suits. was escapes and such
1: right right well a lot of times he could yeah you said it was escapes but when you would see him do sleight of hand houdini was wearing just what was the popular you know nice suits of the time he never wore a hat he always had the very well kept for cloth you know as he had that wavy hair so this probably started that particular trope
0: it's very possible like i, I think the best way I could describe what, what I had seen, at least as far as the, you know, who came first, is that there's really no concrete evidence as far as mm-hmm. which one was first. And this is a time long before things like intellectual product or IP, stuff like that. And yeah. Copyright law was a little different back yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. So like you said, I think it was both sides thought, well, hey, there there's room enough for people to think, well, if this guy was inspiration for that, a real life and a fictitious version could both coexist. Yeah.
1: I think we both agree when we talked about this off mic, any similar type situations in 2021 would never
0: happen. Right. They're, 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 if there wasn't How many C-sentence
1: disorders do you think would be <laughs> be right. letters would be sent out? Oh, my. Yeah.
0: yeah. Everything would have had to have been expressly planned out and, you know, some 15 page uh legal binding documents that everybody signed off on
1: right to uh, relate to our sister podcast classic wrestling memories remember hulk hogan when he first started calling himself hulk instead of Terry boulder he was building himself as, as the incredible hulk hogan and marvel sued him mm-hmm. and he had to stop using that name and that was only what 35 40 years ago yeah so it didn't take long On Geekville Radio, our our parent podcast, we talked about the history of Captain Marvel and how that led to litigation between Marvel Comics or the time at at, at the time Marvel just become Marvel from Timely and Fawcett Comics. And then that was what the 60s. So, Yeah. yeah, it didn't take long after this event for comic book companies to start getting real particular. Those are two examples right there. The yep. comic book company getting real particular about that kind of stuff.
0: Absolutely. All right, I think this is a good time to take a quick break here. So we'll take a break, and when we come back, we will dive into the, kind of the heroes and the villains of Mandrake the Magician.
1: Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Frag. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world and, of course, the gripe of the week all at YouJustGotFragged.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren Podcast family.
0: Attention all Time Lords and Ladies, this message is being sent by Lady President Romana and the High Council of Gallifrey. Eatville Radio presents Examining the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor about everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. From Hartnell to Whitaker, examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for favorite and not-so-favorite doctors and stories. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, GeekoRadio.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. All right, we are back talking Mandrake the Magician, created by Lee Falk. And we're going to talk the heroes and the villains, basically the characters that have uh, the main cast for the last 80-some years. First up, Mandrake himself. And I don't think it's expressly made clear whether that's his first name or his last name. It's yeah, they never, kinda... a, they never give him.
1: They never give him. It's just kind of like Mandrake. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, like like, 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 like
1: Prince, Bono. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Colombo. His first name's <laughs> Lieutenant. It's like, right, right, exactly.
1: Like, what What, what does Tony say about, about, about Colson? His first name is Agent.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But Mandrake is the title character, like we, we talked about, his origins have been, re- been rewritten a few times. But through it all, he trained in the College of Magic in Tibet for several years, between 7 and 10. By day, he is an in-demand practicing stage musician who uses the illusions and hypnosis, like you were talking about with like somebody like a David Copperfield. Mm-hmm. But he keeps his most powerful magic a secret because he uses it to combat evil, like we were talking about before, where he, he can only use it for good. It's like the vow he took. When he graduated from the College of Magic. And while the right. stage shows have the usual, you hide the bird in the hat type illusions, his crime fighting tricks are much stronger. He's been able to make himself invisible, project visions of events, make people see monsters, giant serpents. He, he can flip rooms upside down, things like that. So there is definitely a heavier gauge, you know, Doctor Strange level stuff that he's capable of doing when he has to.
1: When we look at like the comparisons of, of maybe where he's an inspiration, both his look, and his secret identity as a stage magician, but his real hero identity is, that's Zatara and Zatanna, is it not? Yeah, pretty much. He looks exactly like Zatara, the way John Zatara, who was Zatanna's father, is portrayed in the DC comics. But both of them, their secret identity is their real name, and they're in-demand stage magicians, but then they you have real magical powers that they use as part of the Justice Society or Justice League, depending on which one you're talking about,
0: you know? Right. Right. It, it In a way, being a stage magician is kind of a perfect cover because yep. everybody knows that the stage magician is just illusion and you never try to have the magician explain how it's done. So if somebody tried to claim that David Copperfield or Harry Blackstone was this magic wizard who knows all of these occultic mm-hmm. stuff, everybody was yeah, yeah, we see it in the stage all the time.
1: It kind of makes things easier for them, too, because if you think about it, like... How many times have we seen in the different forms of media for like, say, Batman, where he is Bruce and he can't really show off his fighting skills when when it's called for because he doesn't have his bat suit. Right. Whereas if if Mandrake or Zatanna or Zatara does something really quick, they would say, oh, it's all a trick, you know, mm-hmm. and they could stop a, like a, just something simple like a purse snatching or something. Right. Anyways, I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, yeah. I, if I see an analogy for each one of these characters, I'll, I'll make mention of it when you're done oh, yeah. talking
0: about them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, his best friend and most trusted friend is Lothar, who's an African prince, originally from these seven nations, I think it was later 12 nations in Africa. He's been called the strongest man in the world because he's done these great feats of strength. He's been able to lift and throw animals. And Lothar is also notable because he's one of the first black superheroes, if not, could be considered the first. Because we're talking, again, we're talking the 30s. And he was in the very first Mandrake Daily Strip comic. So we're talking 30 years before the civil rights movement. Exactly. And his stature as an African prince, that is one of the links between Mandrake and the Phantom because the Phantom's stomping ground is in Africa. So the Phantom knows the uh, nation that Lothar's from. Lothar is aware of the Phantom. He's probably seen him a few times. So that's Mm kind of always been the the connection between the two. And kind of the elephant in the room, you might say, when it comes to Lothar, I don't think we really like commenting on the stuff we talk about you know, as far as politics but we can't not talk about the early on lothar He spoke very simple english you know would say me know this or something like that and i can see how somebody looking at it from a 21st century set of eyes could see mm-hmm. it as you know being racist or being derogatory Demiating. so that's something over the years that's developed better if you re- look at the stuff in the 60s he was very much speaking normal english he was competent there there was a uh TV movie in the 70s. And he's kind of like right there, front and center, talking business with with Mandrake's people. So it's one of those things that definitely got better as it goes along. But if you were to read some of those early strips, they did not depict him as being uh, very intelligent, at least as far as the ability to speak English.
1: Well, I, I would argue the same argument that we made when talking about Tonto and the Lone Ranger during the when we mm-hmm. inducted the Lone Ranger is that if it makes you feel any better, if you're offended by that, realize that Lothar English was probably, especially being a leader of of seven to twelve nations, probably like what a sixth or seventh language for him. English was a second language, obviously for Tonto. It's not that they were unintelligent; it was just it was not their native tongue, right? As in, you know, a guy with an English degree himself, I get very upset when people try to paint an individual into a corner simply because they don't speak your language as well when it's not their native tongue. That isn't a sign of stupidity. It's a sign of, this is a second language to me. And I I think on Lothar, though, being a prince of an African nation and being a comic book hero, it has powers. I think it's kind of obvious that's uh, Black Panther, isn't it? That's T'Challa. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, very much. You know, really, I think the only difference that could be made there is I don't think the nation that, Lothar was able to have the technological advantages that uh, Wakanda would have. But even then, right. I mean, over the years, it's been depicted as very developed where they have the cultures and some of them interact with other other nations, some of them don't. So it, it's one of the, one of those and, things. I, I think it's gotten better and, over the years.
1: And look at T'Challa. Obviously, Lothar is a, is, is a prince. So he had the funds to go to Western schools and probably speak English more often. But T'Challa has always presented as very articulate and, and, and English is not a language he struggles with, but that's also part of T'Challa's backstory that T'Chaka sent him off to European and American schools. And he was the first like Wakandan royalty to do that ever, you know? Right. Right. So English isn't as much a second language to him. And I think to drive home the fact that it is a second language, even though he's been schooled in English, He's always presented in the comics, and definitely in in Chadwick Boseman's portrayal of of the character, as having almost a British accent. Yeah, to drive home the fact that this is actually a second language to him, and he speaks it with an accent that's not American because he was schooled. So, I just I, that is a hill I will die on as an English guy. Do not think because someone does not speak English well in fiction. That 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 is a sign of them being unintelligent or right. unlearned. It just mm-hmm. means it's another language to them. It's not their native tongue. That's all it means.
0: Another regular in the pages of Mandrake is Narda, who is a European prince. I mean, we, we keep getting through royalty here uh, with Mandrake's uh, exploits here. His best friend is a prince. The woman who falls in love with him is a princess who actually, I think, showed up in the second ever strip and tried to kill him. Kind of funny how that works out. And her beauty has led to her being kind of the object of many villains' pursuits over the years. And mm. really, I think they did get married, but it was like 60-some years after the character was created. So I think they even made the the joke over the years in, in the real world that their engagement lasted longer than some people's marriages or even lifetimes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I, th- I that's
1: a very, very good point. I don't think there's really any uh, other comparisons for narda to other other comic stuff except she just i know it's not as looked well upon now as it was back in the day but she was your typical pretty girl damsel in distress wasn't she
0: yeah yeah and i mean her being a princess yes it kind of goes back to that thing of she's definitely not a dummy she's had to deal with working with people but much like lothar it's like Apparently, she found adventuring with Mandrake more interesting than ruling over her people.
1: I guess that there isn't an out. She's a little bit Lois Lane, an attractive, mm-hmm. intelligent woman. You know, a bar- little bit. We talked about Bargo Lane and the Shadow episode. Same thing. Strong women that, by twenty twenty one standards, we would consider a little bit dated, mm-hmm. but for the time, is is a very independent woman for that time period.
0: It might not be the best analogy because we're talking a kind of central, full-blown main character. Mm-hmm. But Diana, Wonder Woman, she's kind of an ambassador. She's a princess. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the best analogy, but. Storm. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: On that overall thing about you're talking about royalty, I think that's a trope that's always going to exist in, in the comics world because we are dealing with fantasy and I think it's just easier for people to get their minds around the idea that if a person is independently wealthy, that they don't have to spend a lot of time just put food on the table and paying the bills, which gives them the free time to pursue these adventures and fight crime. The Phantom is independently wealthy. We talked about Lamont Cranston as a shadow. He was this publisher of this huge newspaper. We talked about Britt Reed and, and the Green Hornet. Published mm-hmm. the newspapers. John, who of course was the Lone Ranger, his ancestor. He owned a silver mine and made money. So I think the idea of being wealthy is often uh, a trope in comics because you have to give an excuse as a creator. How does this person have the time to do all this crime fighting? And right. in our world, for right or wrong, you you've got to have some kind of of money or or something coming in to pay the bills. They always give them some kind of backstory that allows you to believe that they don't, bills are not, not the concern for them, they're like they are for you and me and us plebes, you know?
0: <laughs> right, right. But another person who came along a little bit later in Mandrake's run, that is Hojo. Again, we don't know if it's his first name or his last name, but he's a large Asian man who is a chef in Mandrake's home of Xanadu, which is a mountain in New York. I mean, I don't know how long you've been to New York, but you know, the, the fabulous mountains in New York. Okay. Um, and yes, I'm being a little sarcastic when I say that. Actually, uh,
1: that part of the state's pretty, but they teach mm -hmm. so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But like Lothar, he's very strong. He possesses a 10th degree black belt. Now, you know more about martial arts than I do, but I don't know Uh if there is a 10th degree in black belt.
1: There is a judo, but only a handful of people have ever gotten it, including Dr. Kano, who was the creator of judo. Actually, there's 12 dons in in, in black belts. So I'm first, Don, if that tells you anything. But your grandmasters that teach judo. At the Kodokan in, in in Tokyo, which is like the originays from place for judo, most of those guys are only like fourth and fifth or sixth degree. So that t- tells you something, doesn't
0: it? <laughs> right, right. But and yeah. those are
1: the grandmasters. So yeah,
0: so tenth degree black belt apparently in both judo and karate. And not All only kind is, of karate,
1: there's only like five thousand different kinds yeah, of karate. Right?
0: <laughs> not only is he a dangerous opponent, a Master Chef, but he is also the chief of Inter Intel, which is a crime fighting organization, and that's where Mandrake usually gets his intel from when it comes to what evil doer is up to, whatever plot next. So he's so a Hojo.
1: Chef. Hojo. I mean, if you look at his description there, you know he actually is kind of the template for a lot of different comic book characters. There's a little bit of Nick Fury. With mm-hmm. him being the the master or the chief of this in, of this crime organization, being the the martial arts expert, there's a little bit of Iron Fist, Shang Chi there, and being a Asian man who's large, there's a little bit of Wong there too in there. <laughs> yeah, who's, yeah, like, I think so. The more we, we we break down the characters here in Mandrake, the more I'm beginning to realize Stan Lee read a
0: lot of mandrake (laughs) it's very possible because there's a
1: lot of early marvel characters you can make analogies for you know what
0: (laughs) yep yep and then finally at least as far as the heroes go theron or maybe it's theron i i don't know but the mysterious man who runs the college of magic in tibet he's mandrake's physical father claims to be over 300 years old and have been married i think between 12 and 20 times mandrake did not learn the truth of this until he was an adult and well out of the college of magic but like we talked about earlier, he had the long gray beard and appeared very old, but yet could still kick ass with them. no other way to put it, and was yep. also very, very wise. So he well, kind of pops already, in every we've now and then. we've already made the
1: analogy. He's the
0: ancient one from yeah, exactly. Doctor Strange.
1: Once again, another another right. Marvel property. <laughs> and we've never made this analogy before, but to stay in the geek realm, and I'm pretty sure George read comic books growing up. Oh, yeah. That's Yoda, that's Yoda isn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there, there's always kind of that uh, wise wizard type character in mythology.
1: Uh-huh. Well, you know, when we did our, our Captain Marvel breakdown on Geekville proper, that's that's Shazam, the wizard himself, that gives Billy Batson the powers, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I think the analogy for that, if you go all the way back, it's Merlin. It's mm-hmm. Merlin from the Arthurian legends, isn't it?
0: Yeah. The yeah, old so. Maybe wise little-
1: guy. Gandalf. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. Tolkien was, reading, or was inspired by Arthurian stuff, right?
0: yeah so from the heroes we'll move to the villains uh there is the cobra probably mandrake's biggest villain he began life as lucifer and helped teach at the college of magic in tibet lucifer tried to steal the sacred cube and i think of these cubes i think what wound up happening is there's um, six
1: of them you can put it in at a gauntlet and then six, <laughs> something like her. but I, I
0: i think there was two of them where it's like theron had one and then mandrake had the other i, I think is how, is how it is and uh he fled the college, became the Cobra, was believed to have been killed in a laboratory fire, returned later under a silver mask, had had a weapon supplier named Destro and an army named Cobra. Oh, not one Cobra, but definitely had the silver mask part. War with the Baroness. And, and-, yeah. <laughs> and so he still pops up from time to time. And I think if there ever is a Mandrake revival, like as far as TV or movie, he's probably going to be the first person that shows up. And when, when we get to winding up here, I can probably pitch what I would think would be a good way to do Mandrake as a movie Well uh, we
1: already we- said Cobra is Obviously the silver Mask guard face the Doctor Doom mm-hmm. And his backstory Is almost That is the backstory Of Baron Mordo yeah. The backstory Of Baron Mordo In the comics Is he is studying At Cacomertage Under the Ancient One Along with Stephen Strange And he actually Tries to kill The Ancient One And usurp his power And become the The Sorcerer Supreme And that is when Stephen Strange Shows his true colors And helps to save The Ancient One and the Ancient One knew all along what Mordo was up to, and he just needed to test even strange to see if he, if he actually had that that hero mentality. So that's right. almost the exact same backstory of Baron Mordo, isn't it?
0: Right, right. Because there's even times where Theron has, has said, I figured that he was going to turn sooner or later because there there was the reveal, again, going back to the retconning, people say, well, why did you keep him? Well, Lucifer is also one of Theron's sons, so that means he's... Mandrake's half-brother. And not to get too religious or biblical, that's Cain and Abel. Yeah. Yeah, you could say that as well. So anyway, (laughs) uh, we mentioned Derek before, Mandrake's twin brother, fellow student at College of Magic, became a criminal, his powers to rob people and rob banks, and eventually had his magic taken from him because there was that sacred spell that no magic user should have to cast except for the gravest of uh, instances that what happened between Mandrake and Derek.
1: That would be Ivana Cadaver, the killing curse and the, the Harry Potter stuff, that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And another one that popped up a lot was Octon. And unlike other villains, Octon never really had any sort of physical incarnation. There was never a human face or any of the stories. There was always uh, Octon or, or eight. You know, there might have been eight of something. It was some mm-hmm. form of artificial intelligence or something, getting getting a message. The, how do you call it? The, the the criminals or the minions, they'd get their directives from Octon. It was sent to them. But it's that type of thing. It was that mysterious thing of, was there actually a person or what, was it Ultron? You know, some sort right. of artificial well, intelligence. Yeah.
1: Well, on Derek, I don't think there's any direct correlation, but the trope of the brother, the best friend betrays you and becomes your one of your villains, that's... Norman Osborn, Kurt Connors for for Peter Parker. That's Harvey Ditt Two Face for Batman. This is a common right. trope. If you follow the Smallville mythology, Lex Luthor and Clark Kent were friends growing up. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, it might not be the direct thing because I I don't know which one predates what, but Thor and Loki are each other brothers.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that goes all the way back to Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. Now, onto Octon, That once again is a trope. You can see a lot of different characters. That that that's Modok. That's like you said, Ultron. That's Arnim Zola. Mm-hmm. That's Brainiac. There's always been the evil artificial intelligence. I mean, hell, that's the Terminator. In the. Ter- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what does John Diggle always say in, in Arrow about, has nobody seen the Terminator when they start talking about AI? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: the,
1: the machines always go bad, guys.
0: <laughs> right. But that covers uh, a lot of the main recurring villains. I know I've probably left a few out. So, I mean, if any uh, listeners to this are Mandrake fans and we left stuff out, definitely let us know. Definitely over at Geekville Radio geekloradio.com or our social media presence we are on facebook and twitter at geekloradio if we're leaving something out definitely let us know because we, do, we don't want to leave uh any stone unturned when it comes to paying our tributes let's know geek call of fame Duck. now there have been other adaptions of mandrake over the years there was a film serial in 1939 uh, much like there was for Lone Ranger and...
1: You're talking about the old Saturday morning series. Right, the, the, like the black our, and white our, stuff. The, our
0: parents and grandparents. Were- yeah. Right, a la, la Flash Gordon and stuff right. like that. I, I did not see it. it. did have a villain called the Wasp. Unlike the strips, Mandrake in it was clean-shaven. It's portrayed by Warren Hull, who was kind of a leading man in, in a lot of these serials back in B- the day. B-movie serials, yeah. Right. I, I So I can't really- I'm
1: really... I'm assuming this Wasp wasn't named Janet Van Dyne. No,
0: no. And I, mean, I don't... I, I, I don't think it was a very major villain, at least from the comics, not like the Cobra or, or anything. Right. There was a TV movie pilot in 1979 simply entitled Mandrake that it was a proposed series. Now, it was one of those things they wanted to do a series, so they did the two-hour pilot obviously didn't get picked up. This also had Mandrake clean-shaven. Really, the main deviation from the origin is that Mandrake wound up in Tibet due to a plane crash. It killed everybody except for him as a young boy. And Theron raised huh. him essentially as, as a son.
1: Oh, so they gave but him Danny Rand's backstory.
0: Essentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the cast, one of the things I like about this, and you can find this on YouTube, so I'm definitely going to link it in the show notes of Geekville Radio. The cast kind of plethora of 70s actors, veteran character actor James Hong plays Theron. You've seen him in just about everything that has something geeky as far as an Asian character, whether, whether it's of, uh, one, Big one Trouble Little China. One of the most uh,
1: common I can think of those would be uh, Big Trouble in Little China.
0: Yeah, he's the bad exactly.
1: man, bad guy in that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and, and he, he's
1: he's one of those people that like reached forty and then stopped
0: aging. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's
1: like still alive in his nineties. Yeah. he looks the same now as he did in,
0: in the eighties. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because I think he he played the father of uh, Tia Carrere's character in the Wayne's World. So. Yeah,
1: he did, he did, yeah. he did exactly right.
0: <laughs> yeah, but real life celebrity magician Harry Blackstone has supporting role in it, That's and it. Uh, Robert Reed of brady bunch fame actually played uh, a billionaire investor in it and and of course this is a dramatic role it wasn't because outside of brady bunch robert reed actually did do a lot of drama as well so. yeah he was
1: a very well-respected actor yeah
0: yeah, yeah. and he had so, that
1: good-looking leading man good look so yeah mm-hmm. i get it
0: yeah the, the uh,
1: time frame for this at 79 makes sense for our younger listeners they need to understand if this was an era that obviously me and seth think of greatly because this is our our childhood but this was a resurgence in comic-based television shows. You had the Incredible Hulk with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno in the dual lead role was mm-hmm. was very popular. The Linda Carter Wonder Woman was very popular at this time. They yep. even tried to make a, a god awful Spider-Man movie. It was terrible. But, yeah,
0: <laughs> there there was a but, couple of them because I don't want to veer off too much. But I, I just I remember vaguely it happening, but I do remember reading about it later. They. They did the Marvel action hour, and there, there yep. was a rotating thing of characters, and it was originally Spider-Man, Hulk, uh, Captain America, and Doctor Strange. And Hulk I'm was Strange. the one that was the most popular, and it, it, it gave way to the TV show. You could even say that Buck
1: Rogers with Gil Gerard and Aaron Gray came from this world, too, and it was a hit television show at the top. So right. it was—I'm not, I'm not surprised that a pilot based on a comic strip or a comic book got greenlit at that time.
0: Right. At all. And probably the one that anybody our age or younger remembers in the 1980s, there was a cartoon series, Defenders of the Earth. And that had Mandrake alongside Flash Gordon and the Phantom, and it had their kids in as well. And Lothar was part of that. So here we are finally
1: covering the third and final member of Defenders of the Earth being inducted. Yeah. (laughs) So... Spoiler, we're probably going to induct Defenders of the Earth at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of do the, the Four Horsemen thing where it's like... <laughs>
1: right. Brief: like, Flair well, went in first, but then the Horseman went in a few
0: years later, that kind of thing. Right, right. <laughs> there have been some modern comics. Marvel had a limited series run in the 1990s. Dynamite Comics has published titles with them. They'd actually called it a King Dynamite title since it also had the other King character, Phantom and Flash Gordon. And Red 5 comic, which I can only assume is a Star Wars... Uh, they <laughs> Seems like a limited series that I picked up through comiXology called Legacy of, of Mandrake. And it, it this is one of those things, it kind of had all of the signs out of them. I said, like, okay, well, the, we're totally doing just like the rebranding or whatever. But I was pleasantly surprised. It was Legacy of Mandrake. It features a female protagonist. Mandy Paz lives in a building that is owned by Mandrake, who we never see. And uh, she discovers magic by a magic mirror that starts talking to her, which again, I was just a modern comic, so that trope's been around before the comic. But so this uh, is
1: essentially Stephen Strange renting out the Sanctum Sanctorium, and somebody yeah, finds something, what? something <laughs> like. And
0: and they did there. There was a similar thing in uh, Legends of Tomorrow where it turned out to be uh, Arthur Crowley in the in a uh, right, painting right. that that's like teaching how to do magic. But yeah, that that's called Legacy of Mandrake, and it's it's a four issue series. I know you can get it through Comicsology. I'm sure you can get uh, physical copies of it. But it it definitely felt like it was an attempt to do a regular series with new characters in it because lothar's son is also part of it they don't really say where mandrake is it's just kind of oh yeah mandrake owns this building so it's kind of a mystery as far as where mandrake is so if this and we can we can assume
1: based on theron's history mandrake might very well be alive at this point he just is old
0: right right it it, because it's definitely later because lothar's offspring is in is in high school you know, do, okay. do the math as far as the, but since I'm uh, giving the title out here, I want to give credit. I would definitely recommend it. It, it was a pleasant surprise. That's Legacy of Mandrake the Magician, uh, written written by Erica Schultz, art by Diego Garbaldi and Juan Pablo Massa. read five comics. Like I said, you can get it in Comicsology. And one of the other things, I'll, I'll just wind up with this because it kind of goes back to the early strips that I was reading in prep for the, it, it, that, that kind of puts this into perspective because the first story, there's notes stolen from this impenetrable safe, and I don't think it's ever truly explained what the notes were. But everybody was afraid that if other leaders got word of this information, it would plunge the world into war. And this is 1930s. This was what five, six years before World War II. <laughs> so, so you,
1: had, so literally Hitler had just become the Chancellor of of, of Germany, right?
0: Right, and he though, probably hadn't even invaded Poland. Right, right, because I think I think the invasion of Poland was thirty nine. Yeah, so you're talking about a good, probably a good five years before that. So I just thought it was kind of funny when you put that in perspective. Now, I I mentioned before about if there were to be a new series or movie or something like that. Well, first off, in twenty first century, the year of our Lord, uh, two thousand twenty one. I think about anything can be done as a streaming series. This point, at this point, sure. But I would think even if you're going to do it as a streaming series, it probably should be done as a period piece. So if you wanted to do it like the 30s or the 40s or something to that effect, because then you could do a lot of the stuff without people saying, "Well, there's GPS, there's satellite images, all this technology kind of kick the magic part to the curb." I-
1: so you're um, you're thinking along the lines of that, that 90s movie
0: version of The Shadow with Alec Baldwin, where they did made it a period piece in the 30s. Exactly. Because there, there's definitely some stuff that was done in that original comic story that could look pretty cool with modern effects, but still be made to look like it would fit in the 30s. Because one of the Cobra's abilities is he could, like, wipe people's faces off. So it's like... You'd, there'd be the head, and there might be hair, but there'd be no eyes, nose, or mouth. Kind of like the question. Yeah. My might, might, might yeah. Yeah. So you have him just, like, remove all these people's faces at once, and now they're his minions. And then you have uh, Mandrake be able to undo that at the end of the story. That That's the type of simple, stuff. And by today's standards, it'd be very simple, but also very convincing if done well. I think you get what I'm saying with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Who would you cast
0: as, as Mandrake? Uh, good question, because I didn't actually think about that.
1: They're a little too old to pull it off right now, but I'm thinking Tim Dalton, Chris Brosson.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. But I, I, what I think of, usually I try to think of directors or something like that, but I'm thinking like Sam Rainey, I think would have a lot of fun doing something uh-huh. like this as a series yeah yeah uh,
1: at this point though i don't even know if he's going to do a lot of directing he might just be doing producing at this point but he, that would still
0: involve his creative input yeah yeah i see that he he he'd have thinking, a look
1: i'm thinking the aegis elba type is as, as lothar
0: mm-hmm. yeah and uh, he's
1: definitely broad-shouldered and, and big enough that you could buy him
0: yeah and then uh, for somebody like cobra if he's going to have the mask all you need is a is a mask and then a really cool voice so like a tony todd or something like that
1: yeah, Tony Todd would be fine. Jeffrey Dean Morgan kind of has that cool voice like that. Mm-hmm. Somebody that can pull the villainous off. Robert England, right. I can see Robert England more as Octon, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, of course, since there's a twin brother, obviously you could have somebody do double duty. Where you got Mandrake, right. and then and then he doesn't have the mustache when he's twin brother. What? Tom Cavanaugh pulled it off for how many seasons of the Flash? <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good thought there. Tom Cavanaugh. Playing
1: Tom, Tom, Tom Cavanaugh would be good in several different roles here. I could I could yeah. see him as Mandrake.
0: Exactly. And so, he does more television than he does movies. So, yeah. Um, and he works behind the camera as well. So he could probably direct a few. Right. And Narda could so, be any up
1: and coming, attractive female lead. Like I, right, right. I could literally list a couple dozen right now that would be fine right. in that role.
0: But that's going to wrap well, up. Well, our-
1: we've cast it now. So when we go produce it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, when we get done here, you call Sam Raimi. Tell him, hey, we got an idea.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's going to wrap up our induction here of Mandrake the Magician into our Less Known Geek Hall of Fame. If this is your first time hearing us, we are at Geekville Radio, geekvilleradio.com. That's also our presence on social media, Facebook and Twitter. At Geekville Radio, drop us a line. We are on all the major podcatchers. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. Give us a follow. Give us a review. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what we're, we could do better. Let us know if there's any ideas you have as far as who could be inducted. And Train, if anybody wants to talk to you about classic comics or being Southern or anything else, where can they find you?
1: I'm always available on Twitter at JB. As I say all the time, that is pretty much my handle across the board for all social media platforms, at least the ones I am on. So just do a search, and if you see my my beautiful smiling face, that uh, usually when I had hair and was wrestling, and it says drain underscore JB, that's me. All Look right, free. we
0: are going to shut down the power here in the geek for radio studios, and we'll talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any products or services unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts and or guests do not reflect the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, the Wrestling Brethren podcast, family, or any of their affiliates. Some media used in Geekville Radio is the product of their respective copyright holders, all rights reserved.
1: So, in the beginning there, you said we're like up to number 10 now? Mm -hmm. Wow, we do this one so sporadically that I kind of forget sometimes that we've done that many, which that begs me to ask the question, if we get up to 25 in Duck D's, do we get a set of steak knives? No, how much would you pay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.